this is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind with me, psychologist Professor Richard Wiseman. And me, science journalist Marnie Chesterton. This is the podcast where we delve into the psychology of everyday life and answer your questions about human behaviour. Expect fascinating facts, scintillating science, and this might even improve your life. In this episode, we're looking at happiness, including the power of positive psychology. We'll be checking out some mood-boosting tips. And exploring the relationship between a meaningful life and happiness. So it's meaningful if I'm happy to be here? Kinda. Let's get on with the show. Um, Richard, I'm going to start today by sounding really cynical because life has been described by some people as nasty, brutish and short. Hmm. And, and yet, well, that's maybe just my life. I don't know. Oh, don't say that. Well, I, I'm I'm being the cynic here because you know in modern society mm-hmm. we're we're told that we need to be happy all the time. This is the most downbeat introduction to any of the episodes, and it's about happiness. Well, I, I, I won't you know, I won't hear of it. Is this something that you study? Happiness? I have studied a little bit of happiness. So, what is it? What is it? Well, that's a very it's, good it's, question. It's an it, elusive thing that we're supposed to be grasping for in our lives. I'm sure it is. But like all psychology, you have to operationalise it. You have to decide what it is before you can study it. And in fact, it's a really interesting evolution of happiness with positive psychology, which is the, the area that it fits under. So positive psychology begins, a bit of debate about this, begins in the sort of 1990s. And it's about what makes life worth living. And some people use this analogy that psychology, a lot of the research is about bad to good. You know, helping people. And positive psychology is about good to great. And and so happiness is about making people feel even happier uh, in, in their lives. And so the original definition, the original research was about cheerfulness, about good mood, being in a good mood a lot of the time, making yourself feel good. And so lots of the research really focuses on cheerfulness. And reasons to be cheerful. Re- well, yeah. And, and what you do to be cheerful. And so part of it, we can try a little experiment, if you like. Oh, what, to make me happier? Yeah. Oh, go on. Right now. So one of the the, the techniques is what's called facial feedback, which is that it's this argument that when you feel a a certain emotion, your face depicts that, which is not surprising. So when you feel sad, you look sad. Uh, When you feel happy, you smile. There is also an argument, there's a back channel, which is that if you push your face into a smile, you feel better. So what's going to happen in this little mini experiment is I'm going to ask you to push your face into a smile. This is to get rid of that, that cynicism that we started with. And I'm going to tell you some jokes. <laughs> <laughs> this is just your way of making me laugh at your jokes. No, it's, it's my way of making you listen to the jokes, let alone laugh. <laughs> Not a captive audience, mate, only 20 minutes. Oh, God. Um, and uh, that's a very good joke, isn't it? About it's George Burns' joke about uh, he opens the refrigerator door, the light comes on, and do 20 minutes. Um, so what's going to happen is uh, you're going to push your face into a smile, for sure. And I'm going to tell you these jokes. You are going to find these jokes so funny. The, uh, is that the fake smile? Yes. It's quite scary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. <I'm sorry. laughs> Thank you. You look like a vent doll. So. <laughs> so <laughs> So I tone it down a little no, bit? No, 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 it's, it okay, was great. As long as I don't big. have to look at it, it's great. So, um, oh, it's, um, no, it's good. It was a good fake smile, actually. Yeah. It's so, hurting my face yes, now. Yes, that's, that's good. That's good. Right. Okay. Okay. So you've got the fake smile on. Uh, so I opened a restaurant on the moon. Great food, no atmosphere. Hey. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, right. Tell push us a, another one. Thank you. Push your face into a smile. Um, uh, how did NASA organise a party they plan it? Oh, that's very good. That's very good. That you is see? good. Right. Face, right. Final one. Uh, face into a smile. Shakespeare walks into a pub. Barman says, you're barred. You see? <laughs> now, I put it to you that <laughs> had I done those jokes without oh. the fake smile, nothing. But now, look, you're crying <laughs> with... <laughs> With laughter. And that is the power of psychology. A minute ago, you were down, you were cynical, but look at you now. Life and soul of the... Yeah, anyway. Um... So, so we've, got, we've got me moving from good to better. Much better, in my opinion. And psychology, you've said you, you need to pin down what happiness is yes. so that you can quantify it. Yes. You normally ask people to rate. There's, there's no kind of... You can't look at their brain. And you could do what you're doing. I mean, like you're, you're wiping tears away from your <laughs> so, eyes. Sorry. Uh, so funny, Rich. <laughs> and, and, and so you could do that. You could do a behavioural thing, how much somebody sort of smiles or something like that. Normally what we do, uh, which I'm not a fan of this sort of work, but normally we do it, we ask people to rate how happy they are from one to seven, where one is the mood you're in when we started this episode, and seven is where you are now. Right, OK. Uh, so people give a number yeah. and then start to quantify it. I tell you what I do, which is that every time my phone rings... Which isn't very often these days. Let's be honest. No one's phone rings anymore. That's a, it's all texting now. Is that what's happening? Yeah. I wonder how they're getting well, you're invites. You're getting emails to the parties. that you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's um, all happening on TikTok. Uh, I joined uh, the what's the there's um, Second Life. Okay. No, not Second Life. What's Is the that, thing that's called? The one with the Sims. Yeah. Yeah. And I joined it. This is years ago, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And somebody came up behind me and pulled my trousers down. <laughs> And I thought, this is like my first life. <laughs> and so I never went back on. Oh, anyway. That's um, a great visual gag, though, for I, Second Life. I thought it was quite, it was quite funny. Uh, but anyway, you, when you answer the phone, just before you take the call, force your face into a smile. Because then when you say hello to the person, actually it's done with a much more positive attitude, and that helps. Anyway, but it's about how you behave. So if you behave like a happy person, put a bit of energy into it, a bit of a spring in your step, uh, smile, all those things... Actually, it has quite a big impact on cheerfulness. You move up that scale of happiness that I just described. So fake it till you make it. Absolutely. Or, or, or that pushes you up the scale. Is there a limit to the scale? Yeah, seven. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I had we, one person who went to eight once okay. yeah. and, uh, and we asked them to go back to seven. So is there a limit to how cheerful you... I, su- I suppose there is. But I, I think most of these things are if you're... You know, just I think, oh, I could do a little boost... And, and yeah, it's been a bit of a long day and so on. These are some of the things that uh, that you can do. So there's the, the forcing your face uh, into a, a smile. There is what's called the gratitude attitude, which we spoke about with luck, actually, that just remembering the good things in your life, which sometimes we forget about, or the bad things that are no longer happening is, is a pretty effective way of, uh, of cheering yourself up. As is what's called affectionate writing, which is one of my favourite journaling methods, which is you just write down, you never have to show the person this, but you write down how much somebody in your life means to you. And this is where I bring up my book. Absolutely. Of Of all your (laughs) affections. Lovely things you've done. Yes, completely blank. I write down all the jokes. There we are. I look at them sometimes and laugh. Yes, sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, But so so those things which, you know, I, I think... We look at and kind of go, well, we, we sort of heard about this, but does it really make an impact? The positive psychology work was actually, it does. 
you know, and and these are very simple things you can do. You know, writing about uh, somebody means something to you in your life is very simple. The gratitude work very simple. The, the sort of behaving like a happy person. But there's about a decade of research showing you know it actually does have an impact on mood. We've had a question from Jenny about how much control we have over our happiness, and she says, "Hi, Richard. Everyone has said right from being a child that I have a sunny disposition, which is very annoying for some people." Are we born already programmed to be more or less happy or is this something that we can learn? Now, you've said that we can learn things, we can we can boost, but on your scale, do some people, can you tell when they're babies that some babies are maybe a two and some are a six or a seven? I don't think you could tell that young. What What is true is that we're all on that bell curve somewhere. And to some degree, that's due to genetics and brains and things that are very difficult to change. And it's really hard to put a percentage on that. What we know is that it's not 100%, i.e. everyone has got room for potential for change. And as a social psychologist, what interests me is that that bit, the change bit, not the bit that's, that's fixed. So we're fixed by genetics to some extent, by the circumstances of our lives, if you have terrible things happen to you uh, in your life or you, you uh, difficult circumstances, of course that's going to have an impact on your happiness. No one would deny that, and it's very important to recognise. What interests me is how any cohort, how any individual can change and maximise who they are, can be the best person they can be. So to answer that question... Absolutely. Some people have sunny dispositions and other people not so much. But the fact is, we all have a potential to improve. And actually, people become much more interesting when you talk about change rather than talking about a static individual. And is this everyone? Though? Do we have some capability or are there some people that just don't have the ability to feel happiness at all? Oh, no, I think everyone has got that that potential and potential to be more cheerful or to be in a better mood or, or whatever. Um, Are I'm, you a sunbeam? Oh, my goodness. People say to me, Richard, you you come into a party and there might be a whole load of people in the room and within minutes they're so happy they just move on with their lives and go to another room. <laughs> That's very good. Yes, it's 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 quite remarkable. What a skill. Oh, my goodness, it's 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 amazing. I'm feeling incredibly oh, euphoric right now. Yes. Well, what, what's interesting about that, not with me uh, particularly, but our emotions are contagious and they're normally contagious through something called mirroring. So if you're happy and outgoing and big gestures and all of that, the person you're speaking to tends to mirror that and so that your emotion becomes their emotion. And some people are very good transmitters, normally quite charismatic people actually, and other people are very good receivers. Some people walk into a room and catch the emotion of the uh, the room, other people will be more emotional islands. They're not influenced so much from others. That's a whole area of, of uh, psychology. That's really interesting. And so if someone wants to avoid, I don't know, catching the highs and the lows, well, we've had a question from Mitch and he says, how can I even out my day-to-day -day feelings of happiness rather than having peaks and troughs? Is it possible to separate what's happening around me from how happy I feel? I don't think you do want to even it out. And I always think, I mean, I, I cannot find the origin of this. If anyone knows, they should they should let me know. This is not my idea, but I now cannot find where I read it, which is that if you've got a whole load of coloured wool in a jar and you really like the patterning of the, the reds and the greens and the blues, 
What you can't do is you go, you know what, I'm not quite so keen on the yellow. So let's take out all the yellow because that alters the whole pattern. And I think life's like that. You can't say, well, I just wish I hadn't had these unhappy things happen to me. I'm going to take that out because you don't know the influence on, on your life and who you would be and the friends you'd have met and so on. So I think it's a, a big thing. I don't think you do want to even these things out. You definitely don't want to be happy all the time. That would be terrible. You want a little bit of rain. And so I, I think it's what makes life interesting is to have those highs and lows and to know that you know it will pass. The, the one thing that if you're a trained psychologist you're interested in is whatever it is, it will pass. So if you're not feeling so great, it will change. You, you will feel better at some point. The flip side of that is if you're feeling great, that will pass as well. And, and that's and, okay. You just well, what it means is live in the that. moment, enjoy the happiness now because it's going to go at, at, at some point. And if you're not feeling so great, well, that's going to improve at some point as well. Change happens, and that's what makes life kind of interesting. I think. I yeah, I go with a version of that, which is that you know we're all going to die in the eventual heat death of the universe. So make the most of it. It make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I'm actually not. Oh, aren't you? No. You've got a plan B. Yes, which we're actually going to cover on the next episode. <laughs> well, you're a smart cookie. Do you need someone to make tea in your plan B spaceship? No, fine. Okay, Absolutely fine. Fine. This is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind, and we're talking about happiness. I will be happy if we get through this mission to answer a thousand questions. So here's another one. Uh, we've got a question here from Molly and she wants to know whether the buzz that she gets when someone likes something she's posted on the social medias um, or that buzz that she gets when she clicks buy now uh, online, is that happiness? Is she being tricked? Well, those two things are quite different in their way. We are social animals. We like to be popular. We like to be part of the group. We like others to like us. And of course, what social media gives you is that without the other person being there. You go, oh my goodness, people are recognising my genius or my hilarious photograph or whatever it is. So that's a social buzz. Buying something is, is altogether quite different. And there's been lots of research which has looked at if you are going to spend spend your pennies, how do you spend them for maximum happiness? And the two main categories is buying things and buying experiences. So buying, I don't know, skydiving trip versus a new pair of trainers. Loads of research into it and always comes down to if you want to pursue happiness, buy experiences. So things are not so great. What about if you buy things for other people? Ah, that's different. Yeah, things for other people is good. We can perhaps get to that. Does in. that count as an experience then? Yeah, well, it, well, so the, to me, the most interesting question is why are experiences good and things bad? And part of the problem with buying a new pair of trainers, whatever it is, is they go out of fashion or they fall apart after a while. But also socially, social psychologists again, socially, they make all your friends jealous because they haven't got those pair of trainers, whatever it is. You buy an experience, you're normally doing that with other people, but even if you're not, you've got something to talk to with other people. You've got something to bond. And so it's a very simple bit of psychology, but this side leads you to be happy. This side, buying things, actually is associated with not being so happy. But common sense-wise, we all do that retail therapy. Oh, I've got to go and spend some money and that's going to cheer me up. Very good example of how common sense can lead us astray. If you've bought your trainers... 
Yeah. Or you've bought your skydiving experience. Yeah. And which you, I don't I don't recommend. I've never done skydiving. I've never seen the attraction of that. Have you? I bought a indoor skydiving experience for an ex-boyfriend, or he was a boyfriend at the time, and a friend of mine gave him a pair of his own socks that she'd stolen off him uh, previously that she wrapped up and gave back to him. He was bemused by the skydiving. He couldn't have been more delighted by his old socks back again. And uh, so that was a fail of a present. Right. I just thought he'd really like the experience and we could do a new thing. Yes. And he just Did you do it with him? We never did it. Oh, I see. (laughs) Never happened. Never happened. He opened this and he went, oh, you know me so well. (laughs) I was like, oh, dagger to the heart. Okay. Uh, Just thought we'd try a new thing. Let's not try a new thing. Or date anymore. (laughs) He was very happy with his old socks. What happens inside yourself when you've had that buzz of of doing the thing, having the experience, or buying the thing that makes you happier? You mean physiologically? Yeah. I mean, is it is it just a kind of mental thing, or is there kind of a physical change in you? Well, that's that's a profound question, isn't it? Because uh, everything is related to what happens in the brain and in the body. But I would argue it's of no consequence at all. So the analogy I always use is if you're going to write something uh, on a word processor, you don't really care about what electrons are shooting around in your computer. You care about whether you can write your letter or whatever it is and type on the keys. And to me, that's what's interesting about people is the mind, their experience, how they feel, how they think. The neurons, neuronal activity underneath that, the brain, is of no interest to me at all. And because of that, I know nothing about it. People always go, oh, you must understand how the brain works. I go, I'm a psychologist. I know nothing about brains. Don't care. You're a science, mate. Exactly. I'm interested in people and how they change is is my main interest. Um, So, yeah, so in answer of what happens in the brain and body, I have no idea. Something must, I'm assuming. But you, you, so you don't know whether it might make us healthier or anything. Ah, oh, like that's that? different. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do know that. Yeah, so, so being happy, uh, being happier is associated with generally success. Not surprisingly, mainly a social phenomenon. People want to be around you because they emotions are contagious. They feel better around you, and so on. That means you get more opportunities. That means you've got a support network. All those sorts of things. That then has an impact on your physiology and well-being because your self-esteem goes up, and so you've, you're less fatalistic about the future, and so you don't smoke so much, you don't drink so much, you go to the gym, all those sorts of things, and you end up physically healthier. So there is no doubt that happiness is associated with success and associated with well-being. But people have shown that, that, that happier people live longer, maybe? You'd expect them to. I mean, the interesting thing is, what's the mechanism? And my understanding is the mechanism is they're enjoying life, they want life to continue, and so they start to look after themselves. Where if, if you're not enjoying life, it's not surprising that you do all the sorts of things that, that might undermine that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you were mentioning that this started out as uh, cheerfulness research. Yes. And then it morphed into something else. Yeah, I, I think it got interesting. Um which is not to say cheerfulness wasn't interesting, but I think the the evolution so the way in which psychologists conceptualize something influences their research. So you equate happiness with cheerfulness, and that's what you look at. And then a group started to go, you know what, it's not really about that. That's a bit of a sort of kiddie way of you know, you're not always going to be happy and so on. It's about a meaningful life. What is meaningful about it? if you understand that, that's the key to contentment and happiness. And that's when you see the research, which is about helping others. So if you give somebody 
£50 and say you can either spend this on yourself or you can spend it on helping a friend or somebody else in need. They spend it on the other person. They feel far more uh, happy with their lives, far higher levels of contentment. You take people in any job and you say to them, how does this job help people? And they feel far more content in their job. Yeah, if you take people on the supermarket checkout, I used to work actually, seven items or less. My goodness, that's a hard old job doing that all the time. It is not an interesting job, take it from me. Until I realised that the contact that I was having with some of my customers because of the epidemic of loneliness, that was the only contact they were having with anyone all day. And if I made that a better moment for them, they went away laughing or smiling or whatever. That made it meaningful for you. So now my job isn't putting items across a scanner. It's trying to make people feel a bit better. And sometimes that's the only contact they have with anyone, as I say, all day. That made that job meaningful. They're friends of mine who who, um, work on software development for transport systems. It's a really quite dull thing uh, of, of trying to get buses to run on time and so on. And I went to a conference and somebody stood up and said, we're talking about software and routines and all sorts of things. What we're really talking about is not having somebody stranded at a bus stop at midnight and they're suddenly in a dangerous situation. Or the parents who want to get to a hospital to spend time with their kid and suddenly they can't because your bus is running 10 minutes. So they get 10 minutes less with the kid. That's what we're talking about. And suddenly all that boring software became meaningful. And, and so what happened in positive psychology is it shifted from mood to meaning flip side of that does that mean that some people that do like really well paid but boring banking jobs they're not actually happy well money won't make you happy past a certain amount obviously you need a certain amount to to have a comfortable life anything under that you're, you're definitely unhappy but the research suggests that over a certain amount um when you've got basic needs fulfilled actually doesn't really add to happiness it will depend how they see their job even banking you might say well i'm you know, supporting commerce and providing employment and so on. But if they can't see that meaning, if it's just about the money, that's not going to be a recipe for contentment or happiness. So even if they're swigging champagne on a yacht, I should probably feel sorry for them because I'm technically richer. I think you should feel sorry for them. I mean, uh, but the, the violins are playing now. Yeah, no, I, I, it's just, it's what they make of that. Mm. And and, and certainly if, they, if you want a life which is meaningful, that may not be the right direction to head in. And I think that's an important lesson. Why is happiness what we're striving for anyway? Why is, why is it such a... I mean, it's a nice feeling, but is it, is it a correct expectation? I don't think you have to. It's up to you. I think most people, when given the choice, would choose to be a bit happier... I don't think we should ever force change on people. And we should recognise the limitations of that change in the circumstances they find themselves or the genetic makeup or whatever it is. So I don't think there should be like the happiness police that goes around and knocks on your door and goes, hold on a second, you're a five, you should be at a six. It's up to you. But if you you want to be, there are some ideas that might be able to help you. I think there are cultural aspects to this as well. So I think there's a a kind of acceptable level of happiness that you should be striving for within the culture that you live. And, you know, that's what's normal. And I think in somewhere like America, it's it's supposed to be quite cheery. Uh, Whereas other cultures, I mean, Finland has a joke, which is what do you call a man with a smile on his face? An American tourist. Ah, very good. I try. I went to Finland to give a talk on optimism once. 
Mm. How did that go? I suppose as well as you'd imagine it would. Yes. They're, they're very proud of their sort of dark sense of humour. Absolutely. The, the people that I spoke to don't yes. want to make massive generalisations. but um, Yeah, so there is a cultural element to it. And, and happiness will mean different things in different cultures. But and, and, and I think that's reflected in the positive psychology. So in some cultures, you know, the meaningfulness, you know, helping others, helping those in need will be a very important component of that. So, yeah, there's always going to be, you know, the whole of psychology is always a cultural aspect to it. And because one of the problems with, with Western psychology is it tends to focus very much on, on Western folks and, and Western cultures. And sometimes we forget there are other ways of uh, looking at the world. So we've touched on some quite profound things in, we this, have. in this happiness I thought we were going to have a laugh. But, but, I mean, my main take home is that if I grin like this, yes. your, your jokes are funnier. Yes. And it actually, it, it hurts my face and it scares you. Uh, so that, that's, that's, that's one of the main triple, things. <laughs> double win. Uh, well, we, we've looked at um, cheerfulness. We've looked at how writing about gratitude and affectionate writing and, and behaving like a happy person cheers you up. We looked at what makes for a meaningful life, asking that question, how do you help society and help individuals? The final evolution, which has only happened over the last couple of years, is about what's called psychological richness. And the best question here, the best way of framing this, is if your life were a movie, would it be interesting? So what they're arguing is that it's about curiosity, it's about change, it's about doing exciting things. And it's that psychological richness that underpins happiness in, in that sense. And one of the ways, of the, one of the interventions that flows from that is saying to somebody who's got a decision to make, you can imagine there's a movie up to this point. What's the most exciting decision you can make as a character in that movie? And that's been the sort of third strand of happiness, psychological richness. Oh, I've just realised that you're the absolute winner for that. You're constantly, you know, I'm off to Las Vegas to do some magic. Well, yeah, I have quite a lot of variety in my life. I mean, I've, I, I've spent my entire life doing things I've wanted to do. You know, I'm fascinated by psychology, I love magic, I get to play in all these things. So, so I've been extremely blessed with that and it's, it's, it's been great. But I, I think looking at your life in these different ways, you know, how do you enhance mood? How do you get a life which is meaningful? How do you get a psychologically rich life? These are all different perspectives on happiness. And I think it's important. I think that's an important contribution, that sense of, of you know, am I happy? Well, what do you mean? And, and, and each of these are tools to kind of get a rounded view. I'm just thinking about what movie my life would be. At least what genre. What genre would yours be? It wouldn't be a romantic comedy, I'll tell you that. I think it would be a sort of Hitchcock. Nice. Yes. I had to write a film criticism um, and I chose this Goddard documentary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd picked it because it was really, it was a really boring documentary. I think he was trying to bore you on purpose. That's where you've gone to with your life, <laughs> is that it's a, a film that's tried to bore you. No, I'm just suggesting that there are there's space for films that aren't necessarily conventionally a- interesting. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Choose your own film, knock yourself out. <laughs> Uh, and all these these things, you know, what, what works for you won't work for me, won't work for somebody else. It's all kind of personal, but they're all ideas and, and they're all different ways of looking at something. And, and we've got these common sense ideas about what happiness is. And I think all psychology provides is just like a little different perspective, which might be helpful. And if it is, that's great. Nice. Very happy with that. From Podimo and Telltale, this has been Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. 
hosted by Professor Richard Wiseman and Marnie Chesterton. Our producer is Kate White. The executive producers for Podomo are Jake Chudno and Matt White. And for Telltale are Rami Sabar and Jago Lee. And if you like this podcast, tell your friends. Leave us a review. If you don't like it, tell your friends you did. Why should you be the only ones to suffer? Although it does help others find us and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WisemanPod. Where we'll be regularly asking you for questions for future episodes. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.